Welcome to the Hagios Dose. My name is Bill Dykstra. It is April 22nd, 2019, and today we commemorate St. Theodore of Sicyon. In the late 6th century, St. Theodore was born in Anatolia, in the region of Galatia, of the village of Sicyon. This saint's story begins with a set of circumstances that many might believe to be less than morally fertile, especially for someone who would one day become a saint. To best articulate this, I'm going to quote a segment of his life from the book Three Byzantine Saints. The public highway of the imperial post ran through this village, and on the road stood an inn kept by a very beautiful girl Mary and her mother Alpidia and her sister Despoigna. And these women lived in the inn and followed the profession of courtesans. I'll pause for a moment. For those of you who are unaware, a courtesan is a prostitute. Let's continue. At that time, when Justinian of pious memory was emperor, certain imperial decrees were being dispatched from the capital, and thus it chanced that a certain well-known man, Cosmas by name, who had become a popular in the Hippodrome in the corpse of those who performed aerobatic, aerobatic feats on camels, was appointed to carry out the emperor's orders. On this man's journey to the east, he stayed for some time in the inn, and, seeing Mary and how fair she was, he desired her and took her to his bed. From this union she conceived and saw in a dream a very large and brilliant star descending from heaven into her womb. She awoke all trembling, trembling with fear, and related the vision she had seen in the night to Cosmos, the imperial messenger. And he said to her, Take good care of yourself, dear, for perchance God will watch over you and give you a son who will be deemed worthy to become a bishop. With these, with these words, he left and went on his way rejoicing. The next, next the woman visited a holy father who could foresee the future who lived six miles off near the village of Bulgatia and related to him what she had seen in the dream. The old man said to her, I tell you of a truth that the son who shall be born of you will become a great man, not as men hold greatness, but he will be well-pleasing to God. For a brilliant star is held to signify the glory of a king by those who are expert in interpreting visions. But with you it must not be read thus, for it is the brilliant adornment of virtues and graces which God has sent down upon the babe in your womb that you saw in the likeness of a brilliant star. For thus he is wont to consecrate his worthy servants in the womb before they are born. When Theodosius, who had been appointed bishop of the town of Anastasiopolis, heard of her vision, he too, by God's inspiration, gave to her the same interpretation. By the time the boy was six, his mother began to prepare to take to take him to Constantinople to be placed in the emperor's service. However, before doing so, St. George the martyr mystically appeared to her, reminding her that God had plans for the child. She relented, and when the boy was eight, placed him in formal education. Mary and the rest of her family gave up the less reputable aspect of their work and turned therein into a more honest and respectable establishment. As Theodore grew, he became inspired by the piety of the inn's cook, a man named Stephen. During Lent, Stephen would 
spend the majority of his day fasting until sundown. Theodore, seeing Stephen as a father figure, began fasting throughout his day at school. Rather than eating at midday, he would frequent a shrine dedicated to St. George, where he would study scripture. When Theodore was 12, he would be visited by the martyr George in the early very morning. George would urge young Theodore to wake up and pray at his shrine. Along the way, demons, taking the form of wolves, would rush to attack Theodore. However, he had the defense of George. This became something of a ritual. The rest of his family took, the rest of his family took notice, wondering how exactly he had left completely undetected while they all slept in the same bed. Believing this to be an act of disobedience, Mary had Theodore dragged back home by his hair and whipped. To be sure he didn't sneak out again, his mother tied him to the bed and deprived him from food. Now this is my favorite part. The following evening, St. George appeared to the entire family, armed with a sword, and said the following, Now I shall cut off your heads because you ill-treat and punish the boy and prevent, prevent him from coming to me. The family was terrified, pleaded with the saint not to kill them, and repented of their wrongdoing. Their repentance caused St. George to be merciful, and he left them. At the age of 14, Theodore decided to become a hermit, devoting himself to prayer and fasting. He eventually sought refuge by digging a cave for himself in a nearby mountain. A local deacon, the only person who knew Theodore's whereabouts, would periodically bring Theodore some meager fare. This is where he stayed for two years. Eventually, his family, after believing him to be dead, took notice of the deacon's activities and decided to investigate. They interrogated him and learned of Theodore's cave. The family found him in a wretched state. He looked and smelled like a carcass. They carried him to St. George's shrine. Bishop Theodosius, the same bishop who had prophesied Theodore's holiness long ago, had heard of the young man's mortifications and came directly to the shrine. It was there where the bishop ordained him to the minor orders, then the next day to the priesthood. Behold, God deems you worthy to be granted, one after the other, the orders in the hierarchy of the church, so that you can celebrate the sacred liturgy to the edification of those coming to the oratory. And may the Lord our God, the generous bestower of gifts in which he has made you to share, deem you worthy hereafter to be clothed with the office of bishop and entrusted with the care of the flock. For as you have now received the gift of these four talents, and are soon to receive the habit of a monk, you are only short of one. May God give you that one, too, after you have doubled the number of your saintly deeds. Therefore, advance in faith, and in the flower of virtue, and pray for me. And after blessing Theodore, and embracing him, he returned to his city." As you can likely guess, St. Theodore's austerity did not end there. He continued his mortifications in various ways throughout the rest of his life. For a time, Theodore would live in a cage. At another time, he would wear an iron breastplate. Theodore would be a miracle worker, healing many from a variety of diseases. He would establish monastic communities, drawing many admiring men to join in the penitential initiative. 
When the Bishop of Anastasiopolis died, the people of the area petitioned the Archbishop of Ankira for Theodore to be appointed. At the end of his life, the emperor called Bishop Theodore to Constantinople. It is there where Theodore would cure the emperor's son of Elephantitis. Theodore would die in the year 613. If you are interested, there is plenty more for the life of St. Theodore. Consider picking up the book, Three Byzantine Saints, Contemporary Biographies of St. Daniel the Stylite, Theodore of Sakian, and St. John the Almsgiver. I'm Bill, and this has been your daily dose of Agios. St. Theodore of Sakian, pray for us.